From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Easter. Welcome to episode 22 of Free and Inspired Radio. If you're listening to this over the Easter weekend on in April 2022, I'd like to welcome all the new listeners from Hong Kong and Australia this week. Hope you're finding these episodes helpful. It just wouldn't be an Easter special without delving into the health benefits of chocolate now, would it? How can you harness the benefits of chocolate as well? And can the research into chocolate actually be a little misleading? This is all we're going to be looking at in this week's special Easter episode. So I hope the Easter Bunny has been gracious to you. Chocolate is healthy, right? I mean, there's a lot of studies. And as you might be gathering from some of the episodes of this show, it isn't so cut and dry as kind of labeling it as healthy or not. But this episode will look at how chocolate, or at least some of its ingredients, got its reputation as being healthy and how some of the fantastic research can be a little bit misleading. But hopefully I'll paint a good enough picture to make your Easter a little more enjoyable. So look, as if I didn't alienate myself last week with my episode about alcohol, let's begin our journey by looking into how we got to the point where chocolate's considered healthy. So the Mayans presented what we now know as hot chocolate, or at least that's the way I interpreted to Emperor Montezuma II as the food of the gods by the Aztecs. And in fact, the Latin name for chocolate, Theobroma cacao, means precisely that, food of the gods. So it's not a bad place to start, right? Ever since the 7th century, the medicinal qualities of cocoa and chocolate have been of benefit to help with things like angina and heart pain. It's only in the modern day that scientists have identified multiple potential health benefits for chocolate. Now, scientists have isolated bioactive chemicals in cacao or cocoa and chocolate called plant phenols or polyphenols that create these benefits. Now, if you've listened to this show over the course of all the episodes, thank you for a start, but if you've listened specifically to the episode around how food can unlock your genetics, you'll know that I'm a big fan of bioactive ingredients within foods. Now, to introduce those, the best way to think about bioactives is as non-nutritive compounds found in food that interact with various components in the body with a wide range of benefits. These bioactive compounds present the best evidence for eating a diverse selection of fruits and vegetables because you can get different types in different foods and vegetables. Not too rocket science, uh, too much rocket science there for you. 
This diversity means you're not just getting the vitamins and minerals that pay for your body's transactions, you're also getting bonus compounds that interact with your genes and profoundly benefit your health. Now, in the case of chocolate, the main bioactive compounds that have everyone excited are the polyphenols. You will have encountered the polyphenols if you've ever eaten cacao nibs or tried cacao beans in their purest form. Now, the high concentration of polyphenols give unprocessed cacao or cocoa the extremely almost inedible bitterness. This taste profile explains why dark chocolate has a remarkably different flavor from milk chocolate. The milk chocolate often has diminished bitterness to appeal to a broader palate. As a side note, this move to appeal to a more expansive palate, reducing the bitterness is just the definition of processed food. To express the effect of the processing in numbers, though, polyphenols, polyphenol content might decrease from around 100% to 10% throughout the different manufacturing procedures. These numbers are the first place we need to be careful when reading articles that don't differentiate between the types of chocolate they're referring to when expounding its health benefits. So you'd be forgiven for thinking that the chocolate wrapping up those that delectable caramel and peanuts in that Snickers bar will stop you from getting heart disease. Unfortunately, it may actually be the opposite, but it's not the case. We're going to get to that later. So let's get back to some of these cacao polyphenols because the research is just awesome. Cacao, cacao phenolics are bioactive compounds benefiting your metabolism, inflammation, and the cardiovascular system. We're going to have a look potentially just at inflammation and the cardiovascular system in this one or in this episode excuse me and is thought that cocoa or cacao phenolics ability to protect the body from rust caused by oxygen which is a process known as oxidation is the key to these effects so if you're new to oxidation and why antioxidant capacity is necessary just think of oxidation as a form of rust that occurs when cells of your body interact with oxygen Oxidation makes a significant contribution to the aging process. So cacao or cocoa has high amounts of phenols and higher antioxidant capacity than green tea, black tea, or red wine. That's kind of cool. A study that compared cacao or cocoa to these showed that cocoa has uh, an antioxidant capacity twice that of red wine, three, two to three times that of green tea, which I was surprised about and four to five times the antioxidant capacity of black tea. Interestingly, the power to protect the DNA from oxidative stress actually seems temporary. A study of how dark chocolate and white chocolate affected total blood antioxidant activity found some interesting results. Whilst they could see a measurable improvement in DNA protection post-consumption, the benefits seemed to, to be no longer evident after 22 hours. So you're going to have a good day, but that's probably a battle. So diet affects the microbiome with the same type of transients. Uh, it takes just 24 hours to change the microbiome positively, but if the positivity, posit, positive dietary changes revert to normal, it adjusts, back, it adjusts back in kind. But you didn't come here to learn about that, though. Let's just get back to the chocolate, shall we? Happy Easter. Cacao polyphenols can influence one of the critical genes involved in inflammation. Once again, if you're interested in food and your genes, do check out the episode I did. I did it as a homage to Amanda Archibald, who one day I'm hoping to have on the show. I'm trying to get my studio set up to have guests. I'm a little bit um, precise with how I like my studio to be. So hopefully we'll be able to actually get Amanda to explain NF-kappa B. But for now... 
cocopolyphenols can influence NF-kappa B. NF-kappa B is the name describing a group of what's called transcription factors that influence inflammation and the immune response. They play an, a role in stopping cells from dying when under stress, which is obviously very important. Put simply, this group plays a huge role in managing the immune and inflammatory response to benefit you. Unfortunately, this response can become overactivated and, in worst case, the genesis of numerous diseases from diabetes, cancer, and other inflammatory conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis. Cocopolyphenols can reduce the damaging effects of NF-kappa B, essentially having a deep anti-inflammatory action, which would be considered genetic or epigenetic in kind an action associated with many chronic diseases we're looking to prevent in the modern day, which is great. This effect is significant because you can also get polyphenols from other sources aside from dark chocolate, and I'm going to discuss how to harness these later in the second part of the show. But look, let's take a break on this special Easter episode of Free and Inspire Radio. We'll be back to talk about how these polyphenols have a positive effect on your brain and touch on some of these ways the studies can be a little bit misleading. We'll be back with more after this. Woo! Time to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more free and inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes, a very happy Easter to you if you're listening to this show live or over Easter weekend 2022. We're back with episode 22 of Free and Inspired Radio. The Easter Bunny is here and we're exploring chocolate and its health benefits for you In the first part of the show, we covered quite a little bit, and now we're going to kick off the final part of the show with the cognitive benefits that chocolate can offer you, and this is really cool. I had great fun putting this this part of the show together. Cocoa phenols from dark chocolate improve cognition in both younger and older adults. Now, originally, I thought it was older adults, but I came across some really interesting stuff that we'll talk about. But neuroinflammation or inflammation within the brain connects with late onset cognitive decline. And we touched on the inflammation in the first part of the show with NF-kappa B and some of these other parts that cocoa polyphenols can affect. But the cocoa polyphenol effect on inflammation drew attention to its potential in Alzheimer's disease and cognitive decline. And it seemed they did a lot more than manage inflammation on further investigation. Now, a fundamental way to improve brain function, no matter how, no matter your age, is to increase cerebral blood flow. Now, I believe uh, ginkgo biloba also does this, but increased cerebral blood flow keeps a consistent supply of oxygen and glucose in the brain, which are obviously the key resources for the brain to function at its best. Now, there are various studies using brain imaging linking cerebral brain function and improved cognitive function as well. They're mainly using functional MRIs. As a side note, either active or passive exercise improves cerebral blood flow to the brain as well. So if you're more lifestyle-oriented, that's for you. But guess what else (laughs) improves cerebral blood flow? Drum roll, please. Yes, you guessed it. It's the cocoa polyphenols. Now, a study that defines how this translates found that 
polyphenols from cocoa or cacao, depending on where you live, improved motivation and attentiveness in the tasks that they were looking at in that study. Furthermore, cocoa polyphenols improved sustained mental demand compared to a control group. Now, I like this study, even though the control group was small, which is often what we see with these nutritionally oriented studies, participants performed a task where they had to count backwards in threes from a particular number. And the polyphenols group reported reduced self-rated mental fatigue, leading to a better sustained mental resilience under stress. Now, all of these benefits from just improving the amount of blood into the brain, wait, there's actually more polyphenols, dark chocolate and cortisol. I didn't see this one coming in my research at all, but you read it correctly or heard it correctly. Once again, this was a small study from 2019. However, participants using a high polyphenol dark chocolate saw their total cortisol and morning cortisol reduced over four weeks, which is not a bad outcome if you've had a rough uh, few years over the course of the global pandemic you can get that cortisol level down and start to feel a little more safe and rested. I couldn't find more studies around dark chocolate and cortisol, unfortunately, so I might just have to be a little bit of a watch this space. As I said, that the study was very small, but um, the results were very clear, and uh, as I said, we'll have to wait and see whether or not someone else tries to reproduce it. Still another interaction with cocoa polyphenols have with the brain is more comprehensively researched, and that's improved mood. Now, is it direct, though? That's the question. (laughs) It seems any of the dark chocolate's positive effects on moods may be indirect. Why? Well, eating chocolate, as we found over this weekend, is pleasurable and often emotionally comforting. And the study asked subjects to listen to music meant to make them happy or sad, Lo and behold, the chocolate intake was increased when listening to sad music. Now, I actually find the title of this study quite funny as it starts with depression increases craving for sweet rewards. It's almost uh, the the title of the next Radiohead album, but uh, maybe that's just my sense of humor. Really, it seems that more than anything, eating chocolate is as euphoric as it feels, and that's where it's at currently. Eating chocolate releases endorphins managed by the same opioid system in the brain as painkillers. So from my point of view, though, in this case, I'd like to point out that neuroinflammation, once again, is heavily correlated with low mood as well. And a role then for cocoa polyphenols at assisting calming this inflammation may be an exciting watch this space, as we might find that there is more to chocolate's role in improving mood than we think. Now, it's fair to say that the polyphenols are the star of the show when it comes to dark chocolate, but what about its nutritional value? Cocoa's nutritional nutrient profile is comprehensive and worth investigating when it comes to its benefits. A well-known fact is the mineral profile of chocolate is tailor-made for the functions of veins and arteries of the cardiovascular system. Dietary sources of magnesium, potassium, copper, and calcium are all implicated in reducing the risk of developing high blood pressure and a blocked heart. In the case of magnesium, there can be quite a difference in the levels between dark and milk chocolate, though. At around 70 to 85%, dark chocolate offers approximately 36 milligrams, and egg has about 5 milligrams, to put that in context, in 100 kilocalories, so that's around 2 squares. And milk chocolate 
has a third of this at around 11 milligrams. So that's a pretty big deviation there. A lesser known fact about chocolate's nutrient profile is its fiber content, which for two squares of dark chocolate comes in at 1.7 grams. And once again, this is 70 to the 85% again. Once again, milk chocolate comes in at a third of this. So you can get a sense of that processing cost, if you like. It's almost uh, two-thirds of the benefit that you may get from some of these bioactives is reduced through processing. Most of the fiber from dark chocolate is insoluble which significantly assists with things like metabolic illnesses like diabetes type 2. Now, quick caveat, I did not say that dark chocolate is going to improve your diabetes type 2. I did say insoluble fiber does help with uh, diabetes type 2, so please do not get my wires crossed there. So look, this research appears pretty good. And I guess you're thinking, how the hell could it be misleading? And I said that at the beginning, and it's true for two reasons. Now, the first is a common issue with interpreting research on bioactive ingredients within a diet. Often the amount of ingredients in the studies turn out to be exponentially higher than the amounts that they appear in the real world. I remember this happening with resveratrol in, in wine. Initially, when researchers saw some fantastic changes to fruit fly lives, now, red wine being good for you was plastered all over the media and everyone would cheer for their impending good health as they, they opened the next bottle. Unfortunately, though, over time, as studies developed, it was found that the amount of resveratrol consumption would be beyond rational dietary means to replicate initial results seen in animals. I remember it being likened to drinking a wheelbarrow of red wine a day. And if I remember who said this, I'll be up, I'm sure to update the reference in the transcript. And funnily enough, on resveratrol, as a side note, I mean, look, obviously Dave Sinclair has now revolutionized where resveratrol fits in the health picture in relation to CERT1 uh, gene modulation. And so, look, just as a, as a caveat, some of even though the original research wasn't didn't necessarily translate to humans, if you like, there are some great effects of resveratrol coming out uh, down the pipeline from Harvard and, and Dave Sinclair's lab. So whilst this isn't wholly the case with, uh, with our cocoa polyphenols, if your chocolate isn't 70 to 75 to 80% and above, you might not be even close to getting the levels you need. Remember also in this uh, earlier in this episode, processing drastically brings the polyphenols levels down and this is a huge deal. So the closer you get to your Mars bar, the fewer polyphenols you're consuming. And just even the less bitter it is, the less polyphenols. That's an easier way to do it. So reconnect also with the fact that the polyphenols effect in cocoa are also temporary. This temporary effect means consistent consumption is necessary to keep up with some of these good results that we've discussed. And I'll touch on that a little bit further at the just down the track in this episode. The second research, uh, second reason, excuse me, this research may be misleading is that conflicts of interest are prevalent in nutritional analysis. And as, as an example, especially when a large chocolate manufacturer has something to gain from it. For example, the study of referenced here from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Now, when I say referenced here, I'm going to add that to the transcript so I don't necessarily point anyone out. We don't want free and inspired radio to become imprisoned and uninspired. The results in this study uh, showed cocoa polyphenol consumption achieving important things for cardiovascular disease and cognition in elderly patients. A pretty amazing study, actually. But it also happened to be sponsored by Mars Incorporated, which also supplied the powdered cocoa drinks used in the study. 
Now, I've once eaten a deep-fried Mars bar, which is not as uncommon as you think in Australia, and I did used to work in a fish and chip shop when I was a kid, so I've been able to see a Mars bar deep-fried in real life and have nothing against the company. But I'll let you decide how this might be potentially misleading when you're reading some of the research. Now, I'm not sure if you remember this or have seen this, but sometimes when you see advertising for certain types of foods like cereals or you know chocolates or anything like that, you'll often see a little disclaimer pop up on the bottom of your TV screen or magazine ad and it says to be consumed as part of a healthy diet. Now, one of the reasons why I bring this up is that I wanted to talk about how to harness the power of these cocoa polyphenols to your benefit. That was definitely one of the intentions of this episode to give you a happy Easter while you're uh, celebrating with the Easter Bunny. Now, this the the title of this is exactly what it sounds like to be consumed as part of a healthy diet. Polyphenols and the basically the different forms of polyphenols appear in high amounts across a wide variety of different food and drinks. For example, a concise list would include wine, green tea, red fruits, so strawberries, uh, coffee. Another episode coming up in coffee. I don't know when I'm going to do that, but it's coming. And blueberries. So once again, concise list there, wine, red wine especially, green tea, red fruits, coffee and blueberries all have high amounts of polyphenols. So it doesn't mean you have to eat chocolate every day. And this is where to be consumed as part of a healthy diet comes into it. So let's get a little bit more practical here that you can combine your consumption with these foods across all of these different uh, different sources. I'm sure though it won't trigger as many endorphins as dark chocolate, but you can increase your polyphenol levels by quite a large portion one, by adding in one to two squares of dark chocolate. And don't be scared to have that in the morning so you don't affect your sleep. People are a bit weird about it, but look, dark chocolate is a little different. I had one of my patients discuss with me, I think a few days ago, just before the Easter break started, around how she's actually using dark chocolate um, before or post-training, which has been really interesting uh, experience for her as well. So look, there's some fun ways to think about chocolate. So what do you think? There are so many good reasons chocolate in the correct form can help. So jump in. Just be careful though if the, if the chocolate once again isn't somewhat disgustingly bitter. That bitterness is representative of how beneficial it will be for you. So hopefully that helps. As always, before we finish this episode of Free and Inspired Radio, if you would love to hear more from me and get the word on new articles, podcast episodes and more, jump over to the website philipwatkins.health and join our community via the newsletter sign up on the homepage. your reviews on apple podcasts and spotify help me get the word on the street and if you're listening to this on youtube throw the video a like and subscribe to the channel uh, to see when each new podcast is uploaded we're in the process of trying to work out how to best get the transcripts up uh, 32 references went to creating this episode so just be patient if you're going to the website and not seeing either the episode or the transcript that you're looking for we're just looking at how best to do that so that you're actually getting the correct transcript as opposed to the ai version which often misinterprets some of the more specific terms that we use at free inspired radio here 
Once again, I'd like to send a shout to all the new listeners of the show. This week has been a big jump, and uh, from uh, especially from Hong Kong and as Australia, as I mentioned. So thank you. I hope you're getting something out of this show. It's all about helping you find the freedom to feel inspired again. I hope this gets you one step closer, especially over Easter weekend. Until next week, enjoy the break if you're listening to this over the break. And take care of yourself and those around you. And we'll catch you with more Free and Inspire Radio next week. Bye. Oh my gosh, you made it to the end. This show is all about you. And we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.